Timmy Patterson has an unrivaled surfboard building and shaping pedigree. Two uncles and a father, Ronald Raymond and Robert Patterson. All three worked at Hobie Surfboards. Plus Timmy's family friends. Surfboard icons, Hobie Alter, Mickey Munoz, Terry Martin, and some guy named Phil Edwards. On top of that, Patterson grew up in the middle of the 1970s San Clemente surfboard ghetto that at one time or another included Herbie Fletcher, Bill Stewart, Terry Sennett, Danny Bronner, Midget Smith, among a slew of others. Some have suggested that Timmy is underrated, and that may be true, but only if you haven't ridden his boards. Timmy Patterson has chops. His boards perform. The pedigree isn't just a talking point. But he wouldn't tell you that. Soft-spoken, humble, and charming in a low-key, sincere sort of way. That's Timmy Patterson. This interview takes place in his small office, a rough, dusty, framed-out, 5 feet by 12 feet rectangle with a computer screen, a 1970s reel-to-reel tape player, colorful fiberglass fin templates standing at attention like armed guards, sanding blocks here and there, and other bits and pieces of board-building paraphernalia strewn about. Again, the pedigree isn't just a talking point. The Boardroom Podcast with Timmy Patterson. Let us begin. Okay, I think we're hot. Welcome to the Boardroom Podcast. Timmy Patterson, perhaps the most underrated shaper. Um, frankly, Timmy, you don't strike me as someone who uh, toots his own horn. No, 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 no. I just kind of concentrate on what I'm doing and kind of uh, not worry about what anybody else is doing, whatever new technology, kind of like what I do. You know, the results are in the the shaping for me and the glassing. I have my own glass shop, so kind of what I do. What do you think is more important? Do you think it's more important to be if I guess if you if you had to choose one, if you had to choose that Timmy Patterson is a great marketer or that Timmy Patterson is a great craftsman, which one do you think is going to pay your bills better? Um well, marketing is my weaker point. I mean, Craftsman for me, it's it's like with all the new technology, Instagram, Facebook, I'm not on there enough to really grasp. I'm I'm learning a lot more in the last few months, actually. Who know. does that stuff for you? Is that something that you do, or do you have uh, Scott? Mainly, do it mainly Scott, my manager. Yeah, and it's Metzner, right? Yeah, yeah, Scotty Metz. He's a great airbrusher, and he's been with you for a long time. Yeah, he's yeah. been last twelve years, I think now. Well, um. I'm starting to see more stuff actually on Instagram. So he's doing a good job. I'm seeing yeah. some stuff. So that's good. We're hitting that pretty hard. You know, it's it's like no one actually knows what I do inside those four walls. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. and I know I'm doing something, but the outside world doesn't, you know. So it's it's important to get the social media out there. It's not like where you use uh, 
the magazines to get your promote your brand anymore. It's yeah. all about what you can um uh write. Instagram, Facebook, via any social media, you know, and how you shape your techniques, you know. You know, some of it's just in board description. It could be the worst board and you can describe it perfect and you sell a board. Which I'm just not into. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good that Scott's doing I went on your website, I looked at all your board designs and it all seemed pretty the most important thing I think the takeaway from me going onto your website is that I wanted a board. I was like, shit, oh, I good. want that one particular board. You know, good, like, good. You know what I mean? It. Like I was like, yeah. oh, I love that looking board, you know, like and that's a good sign. Yes. That's and that's not my strong point. I'm my strong points with uh foam dust in my hands. And um I've had uh actually Matt Biles tell me what you're doing in your shaping room and with your machine, that's great. You got it going, but you need to take 20% of that and put it on the front end. So I take that seriously from yeah. a guy that's a great marketer. Yeah, really good marketer. You know, we're we're really good friends, tight. And yeah. He's always had really good suggestions cool. for what I do. Yeah. Um, Idolo Ferrara. Did I say his last name right? Ferrara. Is it Ferrara? Ferrara. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> How did your relationship with Idolo come about? Um, well, with Pinga, you know, his manager. Know. Okay, I don't Luis know Pinga. Pinga. So, and I have some other guys in Brazil building my boards, which they would be coming up here every every summer. And so we were doing quite a few boards at the time, you know, doing a lot of boards. So I would give them my files and my champion techniques and how we glass boards in California. And they would just go down in Brazil and dupe it. So um, working with Pinga, his manager, um, really helped out. I got to do a lot of boards for Adriano, you know. So we got to see results and like, wow. So the next kid on the block was... Italo. So they're we're taking our my designs, getting them made in Brazil, and putting this young kid on. So it sounds like you've got a kind of a cool pipeline in that maybe the kid after Italo is also in line with Pinga and therefore with Timmy Patterson. Yes, and he has we you know there's like you said we're not about marketing, but it's more about board building, which I, I'm I'm really proud of you know. Well, having number four in the world and a guy who's won two <laughs> events this year in yeah. Idolo is, is, is you know, you're in position A to market the crap out of Timmy Patterson and out of yeah. Idolo, you know? And it seems like we're doing that. You're ramping things up. You've got yeah. the F-team it, model. It's the time, you know, with the closing of a Clark foam at the time, we're, we're just – it's basically getting ready to launch, you know? We're like, okay, we're on the launching pad. Then it just went 20 steps backwards and – for everybody, right? Yeah, for everybody. And then it's been, you know, we've trugged along ever since, you know. Then, you know, overseas boards taking over the basic local surf shops. So, you know, it's what had to be done at the time. Totally understandable. So Pinga introduces you to Idolo. Um, what year was that? Like, was that like 2012 or where are we out here? Um, I think before that, right around, God, right after Adriano. So, I mean, he was probably about 13 juniors doing the juniors. Had a bit of a stink bug style, but he had potential. Everything he did was always trying to do airs, you know. Real wide stance, kind of 
grooming his style. And then, you know, throughout the years when he would come up, you know, we'd see him surf and I'm like, okay, here's, here's a new design. And, and the guys in Brazil designing, helping design with that process, you know, it helps a lot just to get a different aspect of surfing from Brazil, especially where he's from. He's north of Brazil, so there's not a lot of big influence from the cities, you know, so he's not caught up in the game. That's why I like working with a guy like that. You see a free spirit, you know, and there's like Stoke all the way around. Yeah. To surf with anybody, any heat, you know. When he gets bummed, I don't see that like, oh, my God, I'm defeated. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go crazy, you know. He's just like – I'm so stoked to surf with the guys, you know, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. It, it shows, like, kind of put some of that fun back into surfing, you know. Then there's guys on the other spectrum, but I enjoy those guys, too. I like that old school Sonny Garcia. Let's go for <laughs> it, man. I want to win. <laughs> you got to have that, you know. Well, I sense that Elo has a winning spirit. I mean, um, obviously he does, right? So that's yeah, changed a little bit, but he still has a great attitude. Yeah, it seems like nothing really holds him back. There's no, you know, he had an injury and it didn't hold him back. It's just kind of like, okay, now I'm going to I'm gonna work on this. He's bummed, but I'm going to work on my injuries and get um, physically better. So from a, a, an emotional and a mental standpoint, he's sort of even keeled, especially relative to the South American machismo sort of attitude that you see from... I don't see that that much. I mean, he, I mean, when you, when you have a guy... Playing with the crowd and enjoying the crowd because they're down to watch the best surfers in the world, and he embraces them and gets them excited to watch a heat. You know that's that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. There's only a few guys that can really do that, and you know, pretty much all the guys can do it. But to see another level, and then backing up with the surfing. There's something about Idolo, and I've talked about this before, but he's. He's so easy to root for. It's kind of easy for me, and I'm going to generalize and say maybe a lot of Amer- a lot of California surfers to sort of to sort of hate on Brazilians. You know, now again, I'm kind of I'm I've got a large brush here that I'm sort of generalizing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but, I get mean, we've that. all been on surf trips, and we've all been oh god, here comes a boat of Brazilians. You know, like so there's yeah. this like thing where it's just easy to put the black hat on those guys. But for whatever reason, and it sort of started with Adriano because he's a blue-collar guy and you just root for him because he's trying really hard. Idolo's like the best of both worlds. He's like the incredible air game, performance game of, say, a Gabe or a Felipe. But the blue-collar of Adriano, he's likable. He's he's approachable. I find myself rooting for him. Totally. With Adriano, you know, I had him living with me. So it was really cool to watch another level of Brazilians because the the, – Generation before that was way more aggressive, way more rah, Brazil. And and Adriano had that with – he started the new change in attitude of, about Brazilian surfing. Like when um, – I know he'd surf Creek a lot. And I was like, oh, I met Adriano. My friends were like, yeah, I came up, shaked my hand, and we had a blast surfing with him. I'm like, that's cool. And then the next generation, you know, Jodson with uh, kind of – honing uh italo quite a bit you know as his little buddy yeah yeah it's interesting you know um it seems like the pro brazilians it's almost like somebody got in their ear and said hey go out of your way to be cool because it's only going to help you now i'm not saying that happened but it does seem like all the guys that are on the ct except for maybe gabe have a real 
like they've almost gone out of their way to be kind and generous and considerate. I don't know. I think they're just the general attitude is just changing. It's just they see some of the results of other surfers and they're like, that looks hard. I mean, it seems like they don't even get to concentrate on their surfing. They're battling the social media crowd, you know, where free surfing in your heat blowing up is just amazing. And I see that a lot in a couple of the newer Brazilians, you know, when they get heated, they, it's not that fun to watch really, you know, yeah. you want to, <laughs> you want to root for the happy guy and just go, that guy's nuts. Like, how can you end a wave like this? Oh, wow. How do you do that? Pop chub it, you know, just to end a wave. Like, well, you already got the score. You're but. talking <laughs> about the Karamas heat where he got a perfect 10. Yeah. That was almost the greatest claim ever in that the claim was the pop shove it. And didn't he go switch foot too? Like in a weird way, it was oh, yeah, like yeah. the greatest claim. He, he claimed it and he just went down the line. Oh, I'm going to just do a pop shove it because, you know, kind of cool to see that youth in him still, you know, not so like, okay, I'm so professional one, but I'm above it, you know, to see like for kids to watch, like you can keep fun in surfing in the competition part. It doesn't have to be so regimented i don't have to be in my head and losing my marbles you know so it, it it's it's nice for me because i don't have to go there either you know, i'm just like wow that's amazing well look idola won the karamas the corona open pro or whatever it was called at karamas he was riding one of your boards and he's been riding your boards does yeah. he ride your boards exclusively yeah i mean he i think he tried um the McKelly's designs, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, they're around the world, so you're going to try it, you know, but I think it's, it's sometimes important to, um, try other boards. You got to know where your surfing is. Yeah. You know, and I've always told the guys that I've always worked with, you got to try something else, you know, if that works and you're going to get a title out of it, that's your job. I got a career, right? Your career is a little shorter than mine, you know? Right. Wow. So I, I I think it's one of the most important things, you know, if they if they're not going they're getting the results they want, they need to try something and have a good coach if they're gonna do the coaching thing and really kinda be unbiased and well, get that get the performance going. You yeah. know, that's what that's what they're doing. The the um the Karamas win, there's a board on your website or there's somewhere where it's the Karamas Magic Board. Yeah. Is that the F-15 model? Yes. Uh, well, Tell now it's the F-15B volley. Okay. So i um, been doing a lot of those lately, you know, and they've, they've been working really well for guys. And it's usually it's kind of a thumb tail. Mm -hmm. so a little more entry rocker, same nose rocker, more entry rocker, single concave, really plain looking board. Right. But there's a few little things in the bottom that that's my deal. <laughs> <laughs> a few secrets. <laughs> a few little secrets. Well, cool. I'm I'm glad to see that, that it's working out. And you sort of mentioned it's not an exclusive deal with Edelo, but do you expect yeah, Edelo to ride Patterson boards through to his world title this year? Yes. I mean, it. He's been on them for the last ten years, so it's it's you know, and we have, I, we have talked with his manager about it and his manager's really good about what he's writing and he, his manager can give me feedback. Hey, this board does this. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty incredible. So, so, and we talked about the success of other world titles. All the world can, title guys have stuck 
pretty much won their titles with their guys. The right. bigger careers have not the guys jumping around on a whole bunch of different boards, which that's which that's how you that's how you build a relationship. And so Italo's been on the program, so he's just that's what he's writing, you know. And you can you can tell a difference in surfing from some other guys. Like, wow, that guy looks really good on that board. New brand, he looks the same, but there's this little thing he does that I don't like. Right. You know, sometimes we're used to watching a guy surf the way he wants. And <laughs> what we expect, you know, like, oh, this guy's going to do this, and he's not doing that turn. He's got a different, you know. Yeah. He's trying some new equipment. Yeah. And that's how you get that balance of a solid board, working with a shaper. So it's yeah. got to be an exciting year for you. Yeah. I'm um, thinking on it now. I mean, he's in fourth place. He's only 10,000 points away from – Felipe, who's in first, we've got Chopu coming up, which, as we all know, <laughs> you would it would suggest that Idolo's got a big um, advantage over Felipe there. Yeah, was, um, this seems like a turning point event for both of those individuals. Both those guys, they. Um, well, look at Idolo's first year out there; he did it went nuts. Yeah, like totally unexpected. I'm like, okay, well. we'll you know, hopefully they'll get a wave and kind of weave it and make it and not get hurt. Well, he opposite. Yeah, I'm going to do a giant air right on the reef <laughs> and pull it off. And so you're like, wow, okay, we got we got a new favorite. You know, it's it's fun to watch that surfing. It's like Kelly in the back in the day somewhat. Now it's pretty much the same, but you know, we need someone new in there. Yeah, yeah, it's fun to root for him, and it's going to be good to watch this thing unfold here over the next six months five months <laughs> oh yeah let's talk a bit about your pedigree the timmy patterson pedigree your um your dad and your uncles were incredible craftsmen um maybe can you give us a little insight on robert raymond and ronald patterson i'm, I'm trying to think how it trickled down so my dad there's three brothers so it's um, Robert being the oldest, um, Bobby, and then my dad, Ronald, then Raymond. And I think I'm going to say Robert was here first. I'm not exactly sure. Um, then my dad moved to San Diego. So he was, he was wind and sea. That was his homage, you know? So yeah. that's where, I mean, all He's his, an original wind and sea member. Yeah. So all his buddies were. All the guys you see in the mags, you know, all the legends we hear about. I didn't know. They were just my dad's friends. Yeah. Nuts. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and uh, I think I'm going to say Raymond or, I mean, Robert was working. I'm not sure if he's working for Velzy or not. But once he got a he got a job at Hobie Surfboards laminating. So he was a laminator there and um, they needed a sander. So my dad moved up here and I, I believe 61, maybe 62. I was born in 63, so I grew up in the factory. Right. You know, literally. Like 100 probably. yards from here. Well, <laughs> yeah. they were over there in Dana Point. But. They're in Dana Point, yeah, in Capo Beach. Right. So that's where, you know, hey, there's income. You got good. You got a good income right here. It's steady. You're going to do a lot of boards. So. And then uh, Raymond showed up a little later, a couple years later maybe. And um, so he was a glosser, did all the color work, pin lines. So you had the three Patterson brothers. So your dad that. and your two uncles are at the Hobie factory, and yeah. you're just a grom, and you're I walking could... around all of this. I mean, you you, yeah. 
You have an incredible pedigree when you think about it, because <laughs> I, not just your your two uncles and your brother or your father. Yeah. But as you know, you've got Mickey Munoz, you've got Phil Edwards, you've got yeah. Terry Martin, you've got Corky Carroll. I mean, you've got guys that are just like basically taking you out to lunch and slapping you around. And yeah. And, and um, even going back farther, which I never knew until Walter Hoffman told me, he's like, oh, hey, you got to sit down. I'm going to tell you. Remember Pops, your grandfather? I I remember him a little bit when he came here, but when Walter would go to Hawaii, he would go on the military base, and the the life rafts were made out of uh, balsa wood. So Pops would mill out a couple blanks for him, and Walter would go shape them on Waikiki and make a little money. Ah, cool. So I didn't know it went back to the 40s. So it's just pretty cool for me to learn that later. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, and being around Hobies, you know, I remember uh, running down the halls of Hobies, and, you know, I'm looking in this room. Oh, okay, there's Uncle Robert. Oh, there's... There's Raymond, the stinkiest room because he's glossing and just hazy fumes, you know. I got a beer and a brown paper bag lunch in the other, bringing it to my father. Then I go around this corner and I would always look in the shape, you know, and it's just foam everywhere and and this day glow red beard popping out and there's a little mask on and it was Terry Martin. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and it always tripped me out. Then I go to the very end room, and there's my dad, and he'd be smoking a ciggy with pantyhose or uh, his uh, little hole through his mask, smoking a cig, standing. Yeah. You know. Crazy. Crazy. Not necessarily EPA compliant, <laughs> but. Not approved. <laughs> right. And then, you know, you mentioned Terry and, and Mickey Munoz. And Phil, I'm just going to throw some names out. I mean, Mickey, Terry, Phil Edwards, were these guys um, shaping mentors for you? Or where did you cut your chops? Like, where did, who was the first person that handed you a planer and said, you know what, it's time? Um, nobody, really, because that was the garage thing, you know. And that was, that was one of the fun things about starting shaping, you know. So that was 40 years ago already. Um, finding, you know, going to... Always going to different shops. You know, if you made it up to Newport, you're going to go check out a Russell board. You're going to go down to San Diego, Encinitas. You know, you're going to check out a John and Keith. You're like, wow, look at these. Everything was so much different. Come down to San Clemente, you're going to see a Herbie. Then he opened a shop in in Dana Point, and we'd go in there and check them out because it was different than Hobie's. We're used to Hobie's. That was, you, you know, you, you flew the flag if you lived in that town, you know, which was cool, you know. That was the Coolest shit ever, you know? So, and now you don't get that so much. But beginning shaping, hunting for one of those things you take down the foam with, which is a sheer form, you know? You know that thing, that weird paper they use? And so when you're a Grom, you're looking for that. And really shaping my first board in my backyard, in the grass, you know? Putting it in the back, going down to the gas station and using the airline. <laughs> I think it's Funniest thing ever, you know. You mean to spread off your, <laughs> yeah. your air compressor? <laughs> yeah, we go station. down to the gas station. Yes! <laughs> Get all the foam dust off you. <laughs> cool stuff, you know. Now it's now for the beginning shapers, it's a little more computer-oriented, and everything's set, ready to go. It's not the hunt. There's not that super passion, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, you know. It's 
I guess I don't want to say it's too bad and sound like an old salty crusty guy, but yeah. it feels like it's too bad. If, and it, and it I would is, also you know, suggest to you that there are a lot of young kids that are all about the planer and, and yeah, they're and all I, about the backyard. I, I I dig that, you know. I I mean, there's you know, you know, check out my board. You're like, wow, this thing looks amazing. Yeah, we got to cut over here. I'm like, okay, well, you're X you. You know, <laughs> you're done. And I see a kid come up here. He made his home own board. What's your glass at? At my house. I'm like, who sanded it? I did. Well, you got bubbles all over it. Oh, I know. I'm like, that's cool. I'm like, that means you made it. I'd rather try that. There's there's some stoke, and it's, it's what he built. You know, it's what an, an individual built, you know? Yeah. That's how I started, and I think that's the most exciting thing. For sure. You can get a, a well-manufactured board. You know, you could shape a board and make it look pretty good. Take it to a really good glass shop. They're going to make it look beautiful. Or you're going to do it yourself, sand through. But the design is there, so that's what I want to try, the design. and Oh, this kid's right where I was. That's that age. Oh, good. What a stoker you get. I mean, yeah. especially for me, if I get to try something like that, you know. I'm like, sure, I might go backwards, but I'm more stoked. He, he built it out of his garage. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> it's funny, um, Chris Christensen sort of mentioned that too, that there's something about the kid that's sweeping up the shop, that after work he's going to, you know, wherever and shaping his own board. Yeah. That, that it seems like you guys, you, you guys that sort of had that same experience, you're really drawn towards that, you know? Yeah, it's it's kind of what we, you know, when I started in a shop, I got to hand sand for my father. He used the machine sand him, and I would hand sand the rails, you know. Then I got to sweep up the shop. I was so stoked. I'm like, wow, I'm working in a surf shop. Now it's now it's like I want front of the line. I want to be a shaper. Give me the best that your computer can put off there and yeah. send it through a good glass shop. That's not – it's kind of cutting <laughs> – Cut in front of the line, buddy. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, so I, I do like the creativeness, and there's there's quite a few good shapers around here too. They're starting, you know. Yeah, young guys that are yeah. doing it right, so to speak. Yeah. What about um? You sort of touched on, but I'm interested in like your mentors. Like, who were the guys? Like, was it Herbie? Like, who was it? Terry? Were there guys that that like took literally like looked at your boards and went, "Why don't you try that?" Like, how well, did you actually, get to was, where I you would, got? I would say it's more started off with Terry Martin. You know, where I really got, I always got to watch him, and and then he'd shape my boards, and I always wanted a little more concave. And one of the first tricks I learned was he would use foam to do these nice, real smooth concaves. So he'd. He'd get his square blocks, you know, he didn't have anything around, everything blocked, so he would shape it to the shape, and he'd tune in the double concaves, and I'm like, wow, foam on foam, I don't have to go buy that. <laughs> but then then seeing other shapers, uh, Randy Slay, he was from San Clemente, I mean, he's from Dana Point, Capo Beach, uh, Shore Cliffs area, so, you know, he was a big influence, because okay. his boards were taken off, Yeah. and then you would see these really cool boards from Laguna. John Stutzy, like, those are different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, wow, they're creative and had the beak and uh, just everything down to the writing. You're like, that's amazing looking. So we had a lot of stoke. Then one of the other guys was Zubidi Lau, hmm. James Lau. He's from Hawaii, worked for town and country, but he lived in California for a while and um, he had a shaping room in his garage. And I just remember the Ho Boys and just, just as, not see uh, shaping in a factory. 
so that was different. That was one of the first experiences. Like, wow, look at that. And so Derek and Michael would be there. And yeah, you would, and you would just have the opportunity to be. Well, they would. They would be off and running. They're right. They're in California. They're going to go nuts. So, yeah. so for and my dad always knew. Uh, they knew he knew the father chick. So, um, so they'd hang out, and I'd go sit in the shape room. And Zubidi was a good family friend, and um, so that was one another one. And then just and always watching Terry, and he would just bust out boards, you know. Oh yeah. You know, and you're like, wow. So we had this, that was a very tight community. Then another shaper was Terry Sennett. He had these beautiful rails and outlines. It was a little different than Terry Martin. So I, I would say that was kind of a combination of like, I like this guy's kind of outlines and rails, Terry's bottoms, and this part of the board I like. So I made my own version. Yeah. And sit in the backyard, glass it, put the fins on, make the fins, do everything. Then to, go, then to actually go ride it and have a result like, like, hey, this is a little different. I thought I made it way too thin. I was using a planer. I'm like, oh, no, I took too much off. I'll try to make it still thicker. And, but it was thinner for the time and worked really well. Yeah. <laughs> you, I guess. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So you were, um, yeah, you were shaping, shaping, you know, then I got to, you know, my first jobs were sanding, of course, and and then I got to work with Dale a lot, Belzy, because he's my dad's friend, and they, he had a bad ton of boards to do for a while, and so I had to hand sand them. Then I started sanding them, so they're good, they're easy, you know. Cool. There was all six sounds they needed a gloss, so if I screwed up, it didn't really matter. Danny Bronner would fix them. Like, oh, we're gonna tune that. Don't worry about that. Like, okay. <laughs> So just an incredible pedigree. I mean, just like a mind-blowing pedigree. Just, just really, I mean, you've mentioned guys, including Bronner and Herb, Herbie and yeah. Terry Sennett and just this whole crew. It's amazing. 
um, you know, like it's just really a fascinating foundation for you as a shaper. Uh, yeah, and it and it's and it's cool because if I cruised with my dad, I'm like, oh god, we're gonna. I don't want to go by there because I always wanted to go surf, and he would go by Donald's Takayamas and hang out and uh-huh. drink beer. I'm like, oh god, I want to. I'm gonna go surf. <laughs> then he'd go to. Uh, down to Wednesday, and we're like, cool, we're going to go surf. And he's going to hang out in the parking lot and party with the boys for the next five hours. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy stuff. Well, I mean, we get to 1980 or so, and you start Timmy Patterson Surfboards. And, and, and as we progress through the sort of the timeline, you start shaping boards for a lot of really, you know, high-quality surfers. Did, now, I'm assuming you shaped some boards for Matt Archibald. Yeah, so that's kind of – like, working at Hobie's, we were doing quite a few boards. I do everything. So that was one of the cool things about shaping and, and having to learn it. When I was doing 12, 16-foot paddle boards, prone, to knee boards and absolute everything. So at this point, you're shaping boards for Hobie. You're one yeah. of the production shapers. I was a full production shaper. Right. Then then um, then Matt was around make, getting boards from some of the local guys around here. Then we started a brand, and that's where we really kicked in. And so that was really cool, you know, to yeah. be able to make boards for him and kind of go somewhere. I mean, 1980, you're results. like 20 years old. Yeah. Or something like that, right? 20. Yeah. And and Matt's – well, shoot, Matt's only 10 years old. Well, he started really – I think he was really started on the program probably when he was about 17. Yeah. So, so what's it like making boards for Matt Archibald? What tell us what that's all about? I mean, is he involved or is he like? Dude, um, just sometimes me, he's involved, but done. mostly if it looked cool, he was on board. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, he was. I mean, they were giving him a lot of money for a sponsored drum and kind of on his own. It was yeah. nuts, but yeah. Um, yeah. but me and him, me and him had a really good working relationship as far as getting him boards, and um, we didn't do the party thing together. Yeah. I had my own party theory, and he had his. Right, right. His were a lot longer, and mine were a little shorter. <laughs> so, so it worked. Right. You know. And and other pros that you've made boards for in the late, mid-80s, into the 90s. Um, yeah, like Potter and, and – uh, you know, Potter was really good, too, and Dino and, and – just kind of everybody. It was right just around. Just a hotbed of San Clemente. I mean, yeah, and and Sunny, and and just doing. What about Rabbit Bartholomew? Oh yeah, because I've always been drawn towards that single fin, that diamond tail that you make with the bugs art, you know, the yeah, bugs yeah. logo, the WB, the yeah, Warner Brothers. There's, there's one up on the wall there, and actually, these are the fins. These are old stock from Hobie's. All these outlines yeah so it, it's really cool but that's what hobies was doing they were they're doing hobie brand they're doing sean thompson's they're doing rabbits bolts bolts um local motion there's time periods where they do yeah multi-brands you know yeah so you're, we're around a lot of different boards what about know? andy irons andy he was good to work with yeah was fun you know hey, i need that yeah, high yeah. energy. Yeah, high energy. But they would come over for the summer, you know. He'd like, okay, Kawhi's done. You know, we're coming over here. And he'd come to San Clemente, surf lowers. And that's kind of that. That uh, It's like a benefit of Yeah, so, well, well, it was definitely like um, that's where you started seeing the round-nosed fishes, um, the wider outlines. Like I gave Andy a 5, 7, 19 and a quarter wide and two and a quarter thick 
flat deck, diamond tail, and that's where that's basically what everybody's riding that small of a board. But they went nuts on them. They're like, oh, this works. I could turn. I could fit in here. Yeah. And of course, the next summer, I mean, the next winter, they're riding them in Hawaii. You know, a few of the guys are <laughs> surfing the shore rig at Waimea. You know, and they're, you know, with Lost and we we just had a like, especially with. There's Matt a little Viola's. San Clemente who. Yeah, well, with Matt, you know, sometimes he would just tell me some stuff that made sense, you know. Like what? Um, that always kind of just trip out on his popularity, especially then. And he would just say some stuff that would make sense. He's like, how do you get all this? He goes, well, we're paying for ads. And I was getting a lot of cover shots and stuff. And he's like, well, you really know how to make a board from ground up. And. We're advertising and marketing, and he was shaping great too. But it's kind of put me in perspective of what I do, yeah. and it really kept me on a line. Like, oh, well, I Matt, just know what I'm doing. So that was that was really good for 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 what I knew I was doing. It's just like uh, I don't know. There was did that, you feel a little beat down because Lost was taking off? And Matt, yeah, yeah. Matt basically said, "Dude, you're the shit." Yeah, you know what? and, and I'm shit. like, okay, then it and it just faded. I was like, yeah. instantly gone. Because Matt it, really had Mike Riola. That was yeah, Matt yeah. and Mike together. Was yeah, doing that whole deal. Yeah, and you never had a Riola, like so. No, and you, and he asked me, "Do you want to come shape for us?" And I was, I was like, and my brand was just taking off. I almost did it. That'd yeah. have been a funny combo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's but um, you know, we've always had a good relationship, working relationship, and and board design. You know. I'll go over to his shop. We're right across the street, and he'll come in and won't even look me in the eyes, just staring at all the boards and picking them up, looking at the rockers. And I do the same to himself. <laughs> but hey, you know, look where the boards are coming from, right in this little alley, and we see them around the world. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. amazing. It it's is. amazing to me. I'm like, oh, this little single mini alley. Yeah, it's really. We see cool. them around the world, and they're, <laughs> you know, yeah, literally 50 feet away from each other, the businesses. And you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. Is Lost right there? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Across. They're in my old warehouse. Right. <laughs> well, let's um, let's change topics a little bit. Um, I'm sure you've seen some of Peter Schroff's Instagrams um, yeah. over the last few months. He's he's basically called out the imported surfboard manufacturer. When I see the Timmy Patterson surfboard brand, I, th- I say to myself, what I see here is a lot of super dialed-in, high-performance, clear-sounded, high-performance, let's just say tri-fins for lack of a – Yeah. Just that – basically, you're like you're – like, you're, there's a target on your back. When I think about Asian imported surfboards or imported surfboards from anywhere, it seems like they're all coming in with high-performance, clear-sanded tri-fins. Like it feels yeah. like – it's not like there's a lot of, you know, glossy tinted keel fishes no. coming out of Timmy Patterson's factory. You're making high performance boards for guys that are ripping at lowers or whatever. Yeah. And so it must be like it. It really feels like your particular brand of surfboard is just is like the main focus for these imported boards. Like it must feel uh, tough. Yeah, I, it I, must I, feel bad. I would think there's a few brands like that, but there are you know two two. To get into that, to worry about that, because it's going to happen. No, you know, hopefully some of the stuff that's happening can, you know, tariffs or whatever. But those are all distractions to me. But if I stay in my shaping room, what I was told one day, he goes, "Hey, you make 
you make your money in your shaping room, not in the internet. And I'm like, you know, some of it's mixed up, but where I make my, where I'm the happiest in my shaping room, looking at boards and, and the world goes on and all this stuff happens. So those are all distractions. It could distract me. If I read into it for a second, you get caught up in it. <laughs> I don't want to get caught up in it, you know? Yeah. I've done the surf tech brand and that, that was okay for a second. And that was it. And it just wasn't my forte. You know, it's not what I enjoy. So to concentrate 100% on uh, polyester resin, Bowman fiberglass with a normal stick in it, you know, I can describe it with every fleck pattern. But at the end of the day, it's only if it works or not. Right. You know, so everybody's got their theories on this kind of flex and that kind of flex. If it's made here, it's better. Well, when they're coming right out, like I said, you know, you got right here in this little alley is what's happening, you know, for us. Well, when you see Peter Schroff's stuff, did you have any? Were you like, yeah, that's cool. What was your... Um, yeah, you, you always kind of buy into it a bit, you know. Yeah. There's the shock value, then there's the reality. Like, okay, well, that was good for to watch on the internet for a second, but I gotta get my shaping room. I got employees to pay. I got a business to run. I don't want to go into it. Yeah. I don't want it to carry away from my goal. It's right. Like a good, better board, you know. Um, and some of there's. Hey, I'll give it to him. Some of it's true, you know, like. Do we want imports? Has it influenced people's buying techniques? Yeah, because there's no, there's more hours behind a keyboard and a description of a surfboard and the technologies they're used than probably water time and shaping experience in the shaping room. Working with your crew, hey, I want it, the laps last like this. Here's how I want you to put the patches on the plugs and and, and doing that. Yeah, you know, so so, you know, that no amount of social media could ever really the, convey. Yeah, it's like get it on paper, man. That's like putting Jello to the wall. It's, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> what about tariffs? You mentioned the word tariff, the concept of putting a duty on boards that come in to the United States from overseas. Yeah, that's interesting. We'll we'll see. You know. You know, um, I know Matt put a big effort into that years ago. He did. He did a huge effort, which I don't think really anybody knew about. I mean, that's how SurfTech had to put their made in Thailand yeah. logos on. They had containers sitting at dock. They had to unload them and put a sticker on. Really? <laughs> because of Matt's efforts? Yeah. I didn't and know Glubby, And I think Grubby funded it, Clark. Oh. You know, trying to help his... Well, I'll you know, interview Matt soon, and we'll talk yeah. about that because that, something that is some underreported. Yeah, no one really. I mean, I he think went to was, bat for the whole surf industry, and so right. I hope people know that. Well, and I forgot about it because it was quite a while ago. Now yeah. it's in the forefront again, and yeah, but I can have that be great, you know. Some have suggested that the real concern should be the softboard companies. Yeah. The INTs, the catch surfs, the wave storms. This is where multitudes of surfboards yeah. and, and consumer dollars are going. 
But again, maybe we yeah, shouldn't well, be focused on that. We should be focused on what we're doing. Yeah. All those are distractions, although they do play a big part in business. Like, hey, I don't sell an 8.0 fun board anymore. Yeah. I don't remember the last time I shaped one. You yeah. know, and that was half the business. You know, look at like a Becker or Affinity style boards. I mean, you you go down to the beach, you're like, oh, there's Becker. Oh, this guy's from Hormola. You know, so you kind of knew where everybody's from. Yeah. That's what was cool about different brands of surfboards going up and down the coast. Like, oh, those guys are, they got a doctor from Huntington. Yeah, the regional, the regional <laughs> yeah, sort so of vibe. Yeah, so you do your crew. You're like, oh, this crew's from Huntington. We're going to burn them in the water. And like, oh. <laughs> then you go, oh, those guys are pretty cool. Then, then a couple years later, you see the same guys around a boat trip. Well, they're the coolest guys ever. Yeah. Like that, crazy, right. that random guy that I met a long time ago saw me get my best tube in my, in my life in Tavarua. So you never know. <laughs> but yeah, now it's, it's like so watered down like. Oh, he's got a this Channel brand. Islands. He's got brand X. Right. And I you spoke go down with the coast, Scott Anderson. And then you this. keep on going down the coast and you see the same brands. You know, Al Merrick, I'd give it to him a little more because they've been in business. They've done that style of business before Burton and they've always done a great job. You know, I mean, they're hurting from the same fact, you know. But that's really kind of, in a weird way, I don't want to say it's sad, but it's melancholy that the regional, although it, I guess it still is it exists in a little bit. Like, if I see somebody with a Timmy Patterson surfboard down at you Cardiff, I'm is. like, that guy's from San Clemente. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? So there is still some of that. I was speaking with somebody who suggested that Willie Morris was the first guy that sort of broke that regional mold because he was from, this, he was from basically the, the valley. Yeah. He surfed Malibu. But for whatever reason, he connected with Channel Islands, and he got a Channel Islands board to make its way down from Santa Barbara into the valley. Yeah. And from there, it sort of spread. Yeah. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I do appreciate and sort of look back on fondly this regional quality of the surfboard manufacturer, yeah. you know? like That was the funnest thing. You know, you go down to – you're going to – if you go down to Stone Step, you're going to – it's all Donald territory. Yeah. You go here, it's Rusty territory. Even within San Clemente, answer me this, was it so regional that if there was like a board that you'd see more at T Street than you would see at like Trails or something? Totally. You're going to see Midget Smiths out there, and um, there's a couple other guys in San Clemente. Yeah. Um, If you're down at Creek, you're going to see Infinity. That's all you're going to see. Yeah. You're going to see some of mine when I was doing my synthetic brand of surfboards. Out of Hobie's, me and one of the guys were... We're going to make synthetic surfboards, man-made. We're <coughs> Way back when at Creek, you would maybe see like a Steve Brom yeah. fish or something. Yeah, so you would see different stuff, but you're going to see Hobie, mainly Hobie, and Infinity. Yeah. And that's it. And anybody else with a different board, you kind of look at them. Where's that guy? Where's he from? <laughs> Surfers the are the worst. Stuff. The f- yeah, they're the worst. <laughs> the fun things. That was a fun time, you know? Yeah. Now you walk down, you, you're like, wow, that guy's got a soft top. He's from Costco. <laughs> but, you know, and, and it's kind of sad when they're, you know, you, you go down the road and you're like, wow, look at that. I wonder where they're from. You see three soft tops and then a pop out, you know, not an actual surfboard. Yeah. And that's, that was a weird fact, you know, like, wow, so you don't know where they're from. It used to be. You know, I remember this story being told, like, oh, you knew where they were from because 
that was the deep end, that was the filler. So they're, those are Hobie boards. This is Laguna Beach, this is Warty, because you could tell by the fin styles when you're looking on the roof. And that's how my dad would, you know, they uh-huh. would tell where the guys are from. They're looking at fin templates. And I'm like, that's so cool. Yeah. And so I, I think that's where I got some of that. Like, oh, this guy, I like this guy's style. You know, Laguna Beach, you, you see a stew scene, they're like, that thing's nuts. I mean, yeah. gloss polish, beautiful fins, a different kind of template. It's a really crazy interesting writing. noses. They were almost yeah, his beak Asian nose. And they just have really yeah weird his, yeah defined you know defined a, a shaping technique and style yeah and the boards work really good yeah so I always know. thought that Brian Bulkley's and um, Stussy's they sort of had this very unique I don't know if I can characterize it over a microphone but they just had a real sort of like Asian kind of it was always that last and they had a transom off the tail like yeah. a little transom off the tail and just weird stuff drop the tail you know yeah anyway I hope that's getting through on the podcast some of that yeah. stuff's hard to convey but um where do you like to surf anywhere there's nobody you're in the <laughs> all my local little nuggets spots that I just hit yeah. up for a few hours and they go away yeah you know and then that's about it you know I got couple spots and some of them don't break anymore the sands change and like poachy yeah that's up there more though yeah it's just it's really changed the this the sandbars around here yeah you know kind of wait for winter to get some of the other spots and traveling shaping get you know it's pretty fun you know the Canary Islands, you went there recently, I want to say like 2016 or 2017. No, right? I've been going there for the last, I think, four years, okay. a couple times a year, even another month and a half. Um, kind of like uh, going back a little bit in time for California, kind of back into the swing of like stokeness of surfboards and design and not so much about who's saying what about what and who's where. Kind of refocuses. It's like, like mental for me, like really get to concentrate on boards and see some of the stoke that the guys have because they don't get to see that, you know, especially a production like right there, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's fun. It's, it's enjoyable. It hones my skills and you just get tighter. You come up with designs. They got waves, you know? Oh yeah. It pumps. Yeah. It's kind of Hawaiian like. Yes. There's a little place that I'm in La Santa mm-hmm. on Lanzarote and, a whole bunch of spots there. Pick a size and you got it. It gets huge to perfect Real slabs. Real big, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Hawaiian-style waves, it brings me back to Elo. You're going to be making him guns for Pipeline. Do you Do you have you in the past, and is that – Yeah. I and mean, he's strictly riding Timmy's board. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, – and again, he'll probably pick up a – Arakawa, I mean, who wouldn't? You're yeah. right there. Yeah. You know, you got to try what works in the in that zone. Yeah. But um, using the newer, like for me as a hand shaper, going into the computer age and and relating designs onto a computer screen is is relatable to me. And once I kind of figure out the basics, I'm not so much about the numbers. I'm a lot about most of the numbers and some of it's like my hand shaping skills where I'm like, well, this is the angle that I hold my planer. And so that's the angle that I want to see in a screen. 
and it, it's fun. I'm have, I'm enjoying it. That's and, cool. And refine really refining designs and go. Wow, this is a. I like this design. You know, this when I get rolling and I get into those designs and when I was hand shaping everything, I'm getting that result. I want to hand shape off the computer. I don't want a computer off a computer. Mm, that's just, an interesting just, way to look at it. Yeah, and and, and um, I think it's important for me. Yeah, to get that hand shape feel and like when I put it under my arms and just feel it under my fingers. I'm like, oh, that's wow, that's really close. Yeah, how many boards are you doing purely with? by hand and how what's the percent look i understand volume is the key in this business you have to punch out surfboards to make a living yeah um i'm not shaping that many hand shapes right now you know yeah. every once in a while i love doing it but time wise and glass work and yeah running the machine but, i mean we're busy enough to keep busy but not busy enough to have full time like where i get a chance to really get in there and shape right yeah. But but refining the, the the board off of the machine is is good stuff. Yeah, and that's where a lot of the magic is happening. Yeah, so I I basically off my planer I want that look. Right. If it if if it's coming off the machine and looking like where I'm ending it with my planer, that's the look I'm looking for. So I'm getting to that, and you got to spend hours, and for me physically operating the machine. Yeah. You know. Cool. And design and checking out stuff and kind of relating, you know. I got old boards that I'd map out here and do and kind of trip out on how good some of them turn out and how some don't. <laughs> you know, it's funny. As you know, surfboard design, it's kind of cyclical, you know. Like we go, to, we went to the fish about 10 years ago. and You know, I'm not sure if we're going to go back to 1993 with some of the stuff that those guys were writing back then, but um, – I imagine that when you look at the computer, you're like, like, you're like, shit, I did this board 10 years ago. And now this guy's kind of asking for that same. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's what's cool. I, I mean, I keep a few boards around here that are done back then and kind of can figure them out. You know, I've got most of everything I've shaped is pretty dialed into the any of my designs. There's a few designs that I can use as strictly just the rockers and um rails you know i'll change the outlines and tweak little things here and there but there's some of the rockers are the magic for me and the way i set my fins and where i set them yeah not necessarily like oh i need a new design i'm going to redo the whole thing i like to keep some of my bottoms that i'm just like i want this bottom on this outline it works you seem to do a lot of single concave all the way through yeah. the bottom kind of um Maurice Cole style, almost, or maybe Maurice is doing Timmy Patterson. Well, they're stuff. they're in the middle, you know, and I do a lot of, you know, any of my fish stuff, any of the bigger designs, be off the tail. Yeah. Um, but I, um, I I I would think some of my design came from some of my friends at Skimboard. Oh wow! You know, that's interesting. Well, because they would skim and they'd haul ass, and I'm like, I want to board the hauls ass. <laughs> so <laughs> that, was, that was that was the only thing I thought, and and they had flat boards, so I'm like, I'm gonna make something way flatter because we had a little bit of roll on the bottoms, you know, when I started shaping, so I made way flatter, and and I liked my double concave off the tail, just a little V. Yeah. So I wanted a cr way more controlled speed. Yeah. So I'm like, 
try this rocker. And I just remember like, wow, that went fast. Yeah. Because there was, you know, you're coming out of the 60s and 70s of single fins straight into that rolled D bottom. And like, okay, my buddies on the skimboards haul ass. I want a flat bottom. I'm going to do a flat bottom. Wow. Like dead flat. Yeah. You know, to a little bit of D off the tail and a little more double concave. So that's kind of like, but it worked the first go at it. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool. I'm going to make another one. So I've been doing that for the last 40 years. Yeah. Making another one. <laughs> <laughs> With different bottom, you know. Like yeah. you said, single single concave subtleties and the concaves and where they're put. You know, I've been trying to guide it more toward between your feet. Like a couple inches above your foot and behind your foot is the magic single concave for me. Not necessarily the whole bottom. Flattest part of the board is underneath your feet for me. Right. Rail's a little different. Right. I'm going to tell you about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think about some of the stuff that, that Daniel Thompson is doing with Kelly Slater Designs, with the Slater Designs brand? Like, what is your take on Daniel Thompson? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's a lot of time behind the planer. I'm just, I like guys that didn't have spent a lot of time behind the planers. Yeah. You know, some of the guys I say, Aussie shapers I look up to are like a Darren Hanley and JS. I've never met Jason. Every time I see one of his boards, they look nuts. Yeah. So, and, and I have Maurice in here, you know, he'll be here next month. And Simon was just here. And, you know, I like to draw from that. Yeah, not something that's designed purely on a computer. Made a few and pop them out. I don't know. I'm, yeah, my mind doesn't wrap around that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Who are some of the other guys that 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 you look to? Um, you mentioned some Australians, but um, maybe here in North America or in Hawaii that you're like, oh, I really appreciate what I'm seeing here. Um. Well. Matt, you know. Yeah, of course, right. You know, we go, oh, the big marketing, but I look at no, the no, Matt's and they're, they're nuts, you know. They're like, there's a lot of there's a lot of time spent on design, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think everybody puts a general design first, you know. Some I would of, argue that. Some of it's so much marketing, and I trip out, you know. I'm like, wow, there's some design that's going a little funky there. But, like, for here, I you know, there's a few local guys that, you know, it's kind of. I don't know. I've always liked stretch boards, too. Yeah. I know that guy. He's into it. And he's yeah. always epoxy. He's the guy, you know. I'm like, yeah. I don't I don't want to do epoxy. He's the, he's the guy. Yeah. You know, why, you know, every time I see one, it's built really well. Yeah. So that's stretch. kind of my, yeah. All right. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's, I could really say anybody that sticks out around here. Right. Why? We got Eric, of course. And yeah. Glenn Pang, you know, look at the guns he makes for the guys and. Pizel. Pizel's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> what about well, the foil thing? Because Pizel, you can't talk to Pizel without foil, foil, foil. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I've never done it. But yeah. I've been watching um, right here at Capo Beach. There's, you know, right by Doheny, there's Capo Reefs. Yep. So I see, I think it's the Hurley boys out there, Ryan and um, Jeff. Yep. They're flying. Yeah. It looks fun, but I haven't tried it yet. I don't yeah. know if I'm ready for it. Yeah. Decapitation. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little it looks dangerous, but hey, it looks 
looks super fun, you know? Yeah. And what they're doing on them. And I don't know, it looks like it passed time, you know, when you're not, um, I don't know, it looks like good leg strength. I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We might be a little on in, in years to take that one on. I don't know. No, I'm debating. Uncle Brian, Brian Surratt's doing it. Oh, really? Oh, God, he's the guy. That's all he does. He's oh, got cool. his little right there at place there at point of point. And yeah. he's like, you got to try this. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so it's really cool to see, you know, he's he's a stand-up, you know. He's got his little rental business, but he loves doing that. Yeah. To see him go that, for it. That's inspiring. Really, yeah. It's, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not out of the woods. Yeah. But, um. I don't know. I haven't really tried it, so I, I can't – I don't have any say on it, you right, know? Right, I don't see – I think there's so many places around here to ride them, but anywhere near a lineup where there's any kind of surfers, those guys should – I don't know. I don't I don't know why you would endanger other people. Yeah. It's like when stand-ups were in the uh, lineup. Now someone's going to get hurt. These things look way more dangerous. You're going way too fast. Yeah. It's like you cut somebody in half. Yeah. What about wave pools? Which one do you, would you want to go surf if you would want to go surf one? Have you surfed one? Give me your take. No, on. I haven't. Well, we got Lake Pacifica right now. I don't. I don't know. I. Well, there's, you know, you got Kelly's and you got the Waco. Yeah, and there's the I one think in I, Europe. And the one in Europe. I, I think I would have to start off with Kelly's. Looks boring on the internet, but. In the water, getting a, that long of a barrel, right and left. That's what I want. That's all I want to do. <laughs> it's a perfect way. <laughs> yeah. It's a really so it's hard to. Way. You know, the Waco one looks amazing. Yeah. You know, they all look amazing. It's just if you can wrap your mind around it. You know, I mean, with Kelly's, it just, I mean, say, I mean, it's the boringest thing I ever watched. Ex- ex- super exciting and boring at the same time. I'm like, so um you know but you can't you're never going to get a buzzer beater and that's what that's what i'm trying to say you're not going to get that john john's coming over to high five jamie o'brien just paddle right past him and get a 10 that's we're not going to get that kind of excitement it's going to be that dull unbelievable waves every way but i don't we're going to miss that you know we already do miss it, I think. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, you don't get to see that, you know. And that's one of the things. So we're going to give that up. You know, with the Waco one, you're going to see a little more action. There's three waves at least, you know. I, I would think if they could back it up where they're going to alternate waves. So you got to get the first one. You're going to ride the first one and the second one and the third one. You know, if that was in Kelly's pool, that, that was cool. That sounds so weird. <laughs> but it, I, I would think that would be feasible, you know, where it could be a spectator port. But just to sit there and, I don't know, I'll probably go up there and I would love to ride one, though. Yeah. <laughs> you deserve to ride one. God, that but, looks amazing. Yeah. And so Kelly's first, and maybe you'd like to go experience Waco, but you don't have a plan to go to Waco. You're not like. Setting no, up be, a trip with your kids or anything like that? No. I mean, it would be fun. Either one, you yeah. know. Kelly just looks like, I want to get her long barrel. I don't know if you, there's anybody that you'd talk to and go, yeah, I want to go do airs all day long. Or you go, especially my age and other no. people, yeah. I want to go get a 30-second tube ride. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
then come out and do a couple turns and get another one. Yeah, it sign me up. <laughs> I've seen some pictures of you in in some big barrels in Indonesia. And is there yeah. a, is there a place that a, tr- a place that you love to go travel to that's special? Man, nowadays it's not so much about the trout. I I don't know. There, yeah, I loved I loved cloud break. You know, medium size, not what they do right yeah. now. I mean, like yeah, but good sized cloud break barrel, long barrels, and uh, I got to do a really fun trip with. Um, Pat O'Connell went to the Mentawai and had a blast. Was that was, recently? Or? Oh, that was a few Lucky. years ago. Yeah. When he was still on tour and he was riding your boards yeah. successfully. I think he just got off tour and he was just marketing or just started with Hurley. Mm-hmm. He might have been on tour. But that was that was a fun trip to surf with him and McCullough and Bill McDonald at the time. and cool. It was a fun crew. Yeah. But watch everybody get barreled, you know. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> what about Tom Curran? Have you made Tom Curran aboard? God, not in a long time. But I always see him. I always run into him. What do you think and about he, what he's doing? He's got these super short. He's riding his skimboards, skimboards basically. Yeah, he he's here and he just he's done everything. Why not do do a little more? <laughs> You know, I mean, if I was, I think I'd be on the same program. I don't, I don't know if you're surfing that much and you're at these incredible locations. I know he spends a lot of time in Morocco. Then he's in Israel. Just go trip out and have fun. Yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, he's on I've, good. I've, I've ridden the skim boards a few times. You know, a while ago, surfed on them. Yeah, they're fun, but it's hard to catch. Waves. I, I, tr- I think I tried it on Alaya a couple of years ago. Didn't go that good. Yeah. Didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> then you see the kids riff on them, you're like, oh, man. They're young. You have it. <laughs> well, we've said a lot, Timmy Patterson, um, the most underrated high performance. I don't even like that term. The most underrated shaper, maybe. I've heard you describe that way. What do you think of that? The most underrated shaper. Uh, what ratings? I guess that's based on you're just not out there on the social media platform as much yeah. as some would suggest you should be. I don't know. Yeah, and, and that's that's part of uh, part of business. You know, you're yeah. either working it or, I mean, working it is social media, and that's part of my major plan for this year is stepping in that area up. It seems There's it only would so make much, sense with yeah with Edelo kind of in the well, definitely right in the in the highlight in the in the limelight. Yeah, I mean that, and definitely that time after Clark Boehm shut down to reboot the whole program, and you know, with a whole bunch of new brands joining the market, you know, a lot of overseas stuff, and you know, so it does hurt business, and and the the bro board deal, you know, I just had to cut it off. Yeah, you know, when you're doing a few hundred boards a year, hey, here's here's your program, you get a 40, here's 60 for you, here's 30 for you, here's 10 for you. You know, we had a large team, and it was taking a, a lot of expense. And then there was that time, it was like, okay, you guys are can't do it anymore. So a lot of people go away, but they usually phase back. You know, they get older in their careers and kind of get over, and they're like, I'm going to go to what, I, what I'm used to, what I like, and enjoy surfing again. Yeah, it seemed like if you took all of that bro program and just focused it on two guys, Idolo and the next Idolo, 
and that's you know? kind of what we're focusing on, you know, because that, you know, then, you know, business sales slumps and moving multi times. You know. What about, you know, I've, what I've noticed from Matt is that, and I've surfed with Matt, I enjoy surfing with Matt. And I would say 15 years ago, he was all about, you know, Corey Lopez and, or, you know, like the high performance shredding professional surfer. Yeah. But as Matt has gotten older, I've seen a different type of board come out of his factory. He's I'm stoked on the boards that he's riding. Cause he and I are at the same level. Yeah. It seems like the demographic and surfing is getting older. Like there's a lot of guys that are my age, your age, Matt's age that are like, dude, make me a board. I'm going to have fun on. I'm obviously not Idolo. Well, Put it this way, I, you know, for Japan, building boards in Japan, I got customers that are 30 years older than when I started there. So add the math, you know, yeah. if they, hey, if they were 30 then, they're 60 now. Yeah. So that's a big change. So it's getting to the newer market, the younger market again for me. Yeah. Terrible at it. <laughs> well, we're getting there. We're getting there. All right. Well, look. It feels like we've said a lot. I I know I always appreciate it when I see you at the boardroom. I'm so stoked yeah, that I, you I get love there. that, and I'm that's one of my deals. You know, it's like you always want me there, and I'm always like procrastinating. I think I'm Mister Procrastinator. I'm like, of course I want to be there. I'm like, yeah, I'm going. Then I'm like, gets close, and I'm like, get anxiety. But I think that's part of my marketing too. I get so anxious, you know. Yeah. But getting over that part and um, – Well, I'm just – But I love, the, I love the boardroom show. I mean, where else do you get to – to me, it runs the old surf shop. I was telling you, you, go up and down the coast. But at least you get to see it in one room. You're going to get to see the guys from up north, the guys from down south, you know, some Hawaiian boards and everybody's best shapes and some vintage stuff that you're just like, I remember that time. That was cool. <laughs> I had one of those are like, Hey, that's my old board. How'd they get it? Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. That's, yeah. you know, that was one of the things we got to do. Yeah. Drive up and down the coast. You get a Huntington and Newport, Laguna, you're going to see the shaper of the region. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I could do better than that guy. That was a theory, you know, that's how you, I could, that guy, <laughs> that guy sucks. <laughs> that guy sucks, you know. <laughs> Although he's got a thriving business and he's doing great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool, man. Well, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. Hmm? Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk uncles. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like my dad was, he's kind of turned into the family man and and, uh, stuff like that. And my other uncle was the ukulele player. Yeah. Yeah. So he played, he had his Hawaiian shows around town. He had a dance troupe passed away pretty pretty young um and uncle robert yeah bobby patterson <laughs> what do you want to know about bobby him? patterson well look all of your your whole family is just fascinating and as we mentioned earlier you know your upbringing your pedigree but bobby patterson um had an interesting run-in with the law he was he was wanted by the fbi in the early 70s i want to say something like that and he I guess he ran off to Thailand or something yeah. like that. So that's kind of an interesting, you know, for a guy that wants to tr- crank his head over and look at the accident on the freeway, I sort of got a flag that went up and I'm like, I, I need to ask Timmy about Uncle Bobby. So give me some insight. What happened with him and the law and the FBI? Um, just doing what they were doing at that time, you know. You mean in the 70s, like drug dealing, you mean? Smuggling or? and, you yeah. know, 
Okay, he so heavily into that. I, I didn't really know too much about it. I knew something was up because he always had a lot of money, and he'd be in town and he'd be gone. Yeah, you know. Then being at my dad's house, I had a little Honda car. He had one. Yeah, but I pull up and I, I don't know where these guys came from. I two guys walk up, yeah, and I'm like, hey, "F off!" Yeah, I know who they were, and they pulled out their badges. Or are you Bobby Patterson? I'm like, no. Stop bugging us. And they, I didn't know they were going around the whole neighborhood. Have you seen this guy? And, you know, so. Right. You know, which kept You them actually with... look a lot like your Uncle Bobby. <laughs> somebody told you that before? Yeah. I yeah, you that. do. There's, There's a... one profile that you have that, <laughs> that looks just like Bobby. Yeah, so, um, which I'm fortunate. So, he, you know, he didn't get to see his kids a lot. and um, Was he ever caught? No, he, he passed away in, uh, in Thailand. Okay, so, so for just a few years later, or um, I want to say twenty-two years ago. Okay, because my dad and him were—I think they're my dad. My father was sixty when he passed away, and I think Robert was sixty-one. Okay, so I got to earn back from Thailand, and it was bones. Oh, you know, how they do their ceremonies as they go out into the forest and burn there so all the spirit oh so the spirits go into that whatever they do yeah. you know but you know and they had a good send-off right in dana point my father and him were buried okay. at the same time oh cool big paddle out it was, it was really cool yeah but some of the stuff he did i i wasn't too sure but heard a lot about and you know it's just kept him away from california yeah you know yeah always being hunted down and looked for and so, and and uh, my life pattern and the way some of their what their vices are in life, I just kind of faded away from all that. Really, just got into what I do. Right. You know, it, I I would say shaping saved my life. From cool. The, the 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 party attitude, the drinking, and all that. Mm-hmm. It just there was a day that it was just clear that shaping is what you do not that other stuff that's that's your distraction in life it's supposed to do that you talk about someone else talk about that or you get in your shaping room that was one of the best advices i ever got well i i'll do the phone work and you get in there that's where you make your money in there and that's what you do that's where you're stoked i'm like oh yeah that's cool do you remember who gave you that bit this guy um steven price lounge from (laughs) lounge yeah san diego he's from carlsbad san diego okay so that that was cool, you know, and it made sense. A few key guys that would say that. One of them was Matt, and one of them was this uh, friend of mine, Lounge. You know, cool. That's and, but do. it was it was really weird for him to look at what I was doing. He was, I'll, I take care of this. Your job is in that shape. I look at the shape, you know, but it's it was a different color. Same blue, same blue, totally different color. I'm like, oh. So that is almost like a god shot, if you will. Totally. Yeah. Now was shaping saved your life. Yeah. Because you probably have the DNA to go down the road of the vice. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You know, having having kids and and we get to benefit from your god shot because we get to ride the killer Timmy Patterson (laughs) surfboard. That's how I looked at. I didn't want to. I didn't want to see my name in the last page of the newspaper and going great guy but you yeah. know that didn't sound 
it just hit me like a ton of bricks one day. It's just like, wow, that would be it. When was that? Oh, man, that was about right after I had kids. Yeah. That's 23 years ago. Yeah. Where it just was done. Good for you. And it was cool to to realize that then to go through these years and and um, get a little perspective, watch people struggle and be able to – I'm no, I'm not an advisor, but you go, well, hey, this is all I had to do, and this is how I felt, and I had to do this. Yeah. Take it or leave it, but that that's just me. You, you might do it a different way. You might not even do it, but right. I had to do it. Worked for you. I just I just wanted to see more boards in the water. I wanted to, you know, when I it was like when I worked at Hobie's, I mean, I'd see a swell. I'm like, oh, there's a swell. I mean, what's better than to go ride a brand-new board and Six hours, I'm like, I'm going to go make me a board that quick, you know. Cool. Shape it, glass it, sand it, and <laughs> and go ride it. Like, this thing will fall apart and end up lasting forever. But that's, you know, some of that was taken away. I missed a lot of surf trips. You know, there's places I should have been where I ended up just in town. Yeah. Like, what am I doing here? Yeah. I should be in a barrel. Right. And I, I can remember that. First trip I, I took was to Tavarua. Totally sober and just going, I'm like, ah, I probably won't be able to do this anymore. I'm going to see if I can get a barrel. And standing up in huge barrels going, I got it. <laughs> that, was the, that was the reward. It's like, you know, it's kind of basically like you're going to school. Here's what not to do. You're going to do that first. Then you got the rest of your life for you. Right. Good. And here's part of it. This is what you do. You're going to get barreled, too. Yeah. You want surf trips. Don't waste your time. Don't do the other stuff. No, just go surf and have fun. Enjoy your crowd. Like That's what's one of the fun things about traveling. I enjoy the guys in the Canaries. Comedy. The guys are so fun. Yeah. They're just funny and real lively. And I just go, oh, I remember this. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah. And they're not big partiers. They just have fun. Yeah. Like that classic Baja trip you would do with all your buddies and have fun and <laughs> cool cool stuff yeah well we're glad that you're on the right beam so to speak yeah I mean it's all the people around me you know from my managers I got really good workers right now I'm I'm pretty blessed you know from the laminate and sander to the hot coder um such a good team right now Cool. And to be able to really shape a board and have a result and, like, kind of feel what I like and, like, wow, you know? Yeah. Like, one of the things I one of the things I get to trip out on is how to sand it. Like, just do this one rough. I want it, like, old school, like you did it in the 80s, just sand it. I'm like, I don't want it fine sanded. And I like that feeling, that sticky, just really good feeling board. But anyway, but that's enough from me, and, and this has been a great time with you, Scott. Yeah, thanks so much for, for spending time with me. I yeah. appreciate it. And um, maybe we can catch up and do it again to, later on. Yeah. After Idolo raises the Timmy Patterson. Let's see board. where we can go with that, buddy. World champion. That would be yeah, cool. Hell yeah. And I got um, there's another kid in the finals this week. Um, 
Alan Cleveland Jr. Oh, I love Alan. I see his dad and I used to surf yeah, together down in Kalima. Yeah, he's yeah. a Coronado guy. And so uh, Alan, I don't know the junior, but it's funny. He looks, he surfs a lot <laughs> like his dad. He's got the same style so, of his dad. So that's cool. one of the cool things. He's in the finals of the juniors this weekend. All right. Alan Cleveland. I, I'm rooting for a junior. I'm stoked. Me too. Yeah. Well, of course I am. But yeah. So it's he's riding that, your boards. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to be able to see... Uh, from a different country, white boy, but from Mexico. So funny story. The other day, <laughs> I was going through all my old videos, and I yeah. was having them trans put onto like digital discs or whatever. Yeah. And I ran across some old Kalima footage, and there's Alan Cleveland Senior and I surfing together. And I'm like, oh, I forgot about him, you know. And of course, I know his son's been yeah. his son's in the limelight a little bit. So. Anyway, enough about me. Timmy Patterson, thank you so much. And, thank um, you, Scott. And, and a great uh, interview. I, I love talking stories. It's been good stuff. Yeah, I do too. Thanks, and until next time, adios and aloha. See you, everybody.
We hope you enjoyed the podcast. The Boardroom Podcast is actively looking for sponsors. We look forward to building a relationship with your company or brand. Please send us an email, scott at boardroomshow.com, podcast at surfboardshow.com, or scott at boardroomshow.com. And let's begin a dialogue. We'd love to get you involved. The next episode has noted photojournalist Steve Sherman as we dig deep into his archive of stories and anecdotes. That should go live in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening.